Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the full 40 with Chris, Willie, and Trevor, part of the Nova Insider Network and brought to you by Homefield, which, look at Trevor and I, we got the bomber jacket, oh, bomber jacket. I did listen on the last episode. There you go. I said bomber, bomber. jacket. <laughs> the TJ bomber jackets. Um, <laughs> but they're here, and they are fabulous. Um, I... Love it. I've got like the Wildcats on the back. Oh, that's a good touch. I didn't notice that. Was yeah, on it's a nice touch. They got like the, 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 I love the sleeve thing. Someone did ask, are they black? Is that black or navy blue? It is navy blue. So it's fully in it's on board with Villanova colors and branding. Where do you think you're going to wear it first? Like out, obviously you're wearing it now, but is I, that like a UCLA game thing? I think I'm going to wear it every day. Okay. Um, no, it like I would I, I I think I would wear it to like go into like game watches nearby. That's a good point. Yeah. Like like I, I one of the things I like about it is I have a ton of hoodies, but but like this is something that's pretty like pretty nice. It's like I could either put another layer under it that's warm, or if it's a little bit of a warmer day, I could also wear this. So I I really like it. Um, I'm going to ask Trevor how he likes his, but we're not going to make Trevor do a lot of talking today because he's Trevor's fine. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Trevor's fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine, guys. I'm fine. It's not a deal. <laughs> I'm fine. I, would, I could talk about this jacket for a full 40 minutes. Um, oh, there we go. I, like I said last episode, I ordered the wrong size originally, sent it back, painless uh, exchanges and returns. Uh, Homefield did a great job. Code Nova Insider. I can't wait to wear it out. Um, my friend wore his to the uh, Nova Udell game yesterday. Got a lot of compliments. Um, that so went well. That went well. Uh, and it did go well. Champions, yeah. Maybe. They, uh, they scored a lot of points, which is something that the basketball team struggled to do, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> at least in the second half. But, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, it's that's a good transition. So, Trevor mentioned the Nova Insider home field code. Uh, get you 15% off your first order. This jacket suite. I believe the jacket is the only new Villanova piece at the moment. That's right. Um, but I do believe that there is potentially more to come. And they're going to start running a deal. I believe the email said starting on Black Friday, there's going to be some deals throughout the holidays for like a 20% off deal. So just stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll post it on Twitter and our socials. So just 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 stay tuned um, and ready for that information. But to, to Trevor's point, let's talk Maryland uh, because we had um, we had a good let's put it this way we had a good answer game. We won the game. We said we needed to win that game. It was a must win. Mission accomplished, right? And yet somehow that game gave us a lot to talk about. Um, not the least of which is how absolutely fucking horrible Maryland is like they are they they might have been one of the worst teams we've it might be the worst team we played all year but but they were they were truly atrocious on on uh on Friday night and it's funny because I was talking to some Seton Hall fans before the game 
And I was like, oh, man, we really need this one, whatever. And they're like, no, no, no. Trevor, uh, <laughs> Willard always shits his pants at the fucking pavilion. So you guys are going to be totally fine. I'm glad I corrected myself. <laughs> So am I. I've 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 always performed at the pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> so so he said Willard always shits his pants, and uh, he was he was useless. He actually didn't show a lot of personality on the sidelines, probably because his team was getting absolutely leveled. Uh, but a lot to talk about that from that game, and I think we can start with the we can and should start with the opening minutes of that game, the first half, where I mean we threw a we threw a haymaker out the gate and. Pretty much won the fight within the first five minutes of that ball game. Yeah, it was good. We built that early lead because second half we forgot how to score. Um, so the I think Bomba Burton back to back threes to open up. Um, the fin was really loud. I was there. It was. I will give the students credit. The first fifteen or twenty minutes of the game, it was really loud in there. Um, Willard was definitely thinking, I can't believe they scheduled me here again. Um, <laughs> Mark Armstrong, that spin move underneath, just I, I think it's playing on Willard's head on a on a loop right now. Um, Mikhail was there, got a lot of fanfare, a lot of uh, cool videos playing throughout the, uh, the TV timeouts and stuff um, for him. Uh, Willie, what was the diagnosis? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I don't feel great. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Even the way I always watch a game is like, if we're hitting threes, of course you're going to win. So I almost like what I always will end up doing is I like to like, what if we were shooting even from the three-point line? Like, what is the score of the game? That's usually how I kind of like will be like, how are we actually playing? Because there's a level of variance to where like, okay, you we started, I think, six for 11, which like is good. It's not like absurd, but it's really good. Um, and I took our hot start just to be as like, we were just hitting threes, which like, is that the formula to hot starts continually throughout? Like, is that replicatable, scalable? Like, is that the formula that we can do throughout the entire season? Because if that's what we depend on, cool, we're going to have days like this where we jump out and we just jump on a team. And then we're going to also have games where we get to the slow starts. So, like, I watched that game, and this is going to be my takeaway from everything. (laughs) Like, I'm incredibly – I am actually more pessimistic after the win, uh, like, almost long-term than I am, like, than I was last week. Because I did not see anything that I was like, we changed anything that made it, like, that we were making an adjustment. We just hit our shots. And I know it sounds stupid, but, like, the way to be a good team isn't just be like, we just need to hit our shots. Like, that can't be the game plan. And so... I looked at that and I just felt like, all right, like there's a level of fool's gold to it, but cool. If we can keep rolling and we can figure out ways to score without that, like we're fine. And then the second half happened and I was like, yeah, this is what I thought was happening where like the offense, when they went cold, couldn't figure out their shit for the life of them and all that. So, well, I know we'll talk more about the second, um, second half, but that's where I came away from the first half where I was like, I think this is fool's gold, but like, let's roll with it. And then the second half happened and I was like, yeah, this is there. Chris, I feel like you got, you got to take. 
it's weird because I came out of it with a pretty similar, like I was doing the tweeting on Friday night and I came out of it. Like it was clear, like at the end, by the end of the game, I actually worked myself into being pissed. Yeah. But hearing your take on it, I'm like, no, I have to brush back against that. (laughs) And because here's why, like the biggest issue that we had was the hustle, the toughness, the effort on, on Monday. Yeah. That was obviously corrected. The vim and vigor with which we played coming out the gates. Now you could say it's not possible for a team to keep that, but no, we played, we played in the first 20 minutes of that game. And I'll say 20. I know it was really the first 10 minutes, but like, yeah, throughout the rest of the first half, it was a good first half. We played with, with a sense of urgency that we hadn't played with yet this season. It was maybe the first half or the first game we played with that level of sense of urgency because we were like, oh, this is let's show off a little bit and let's you know whatever. <clears throat> but we played with a lot of urgency in that first half, and it came across like the team got the message, like, hey, the effort was not good enough as a pro for what we demand as a program mm-hmm. on Monday. We need to demonstrate whatever. I do think it's we hit shots, but even not hitting those shots. We were all over them. They were seeing ghosts defend, like when they were shooting. Like they, they, they were, they were totally in their head, and they were bad. They were really bad, but, but we were, we were also really good. Um, we were whipping the ball around. We were finding open shooters. We were getting piece of the paint and kicking it out. Like the three point shots that we were getting in the first half were 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 good shots. Now, obviously against Penn, those shots didn't go in, but those shots against Penn were like shooting over a zone. This was. Driving and getting a piece of the lane, jump stop, you know, pivot, kick, kick, uh, you know, pump, make a pass and kick. Like it was a, it was really good. It was Villanova basketball in that first half. Like I, I'm, I'm brushing back against this fool's gold concept in the first half, other than maybe the amount of points scored was fool's gold, but we controlled that first half and dominated the gameplay of that first half. The, the, the second half though, was I'm gonna say it, the second half was an abomination, <laughs> <laughs> but but it really it really was not it really was not positive, um, and I'm willing to attribute some of that to we were up so big the game was clearly in hand, right? Like you take your foot off the gas and then you try and make some highlight plays and whatever and like and like I get some of that, yeah. I guess where my frustration comes in, and it's a little bit more at the coaching level and maybe the older guys' leadership of the team level, the Eric Justin, I'll even throw Bamba Burton in there because of their age and experience level, heart, is the is that like fun, happy go lucky, whatever. Is there's two different things there's two different things. One, that's not what the program's about. Um two it's it's not like it's not how you should play if you're trying to stay sharp and and continue to work on your game. And three, I'm 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 genuinely kind of upset with just like the coaching. Because because when you when you start to see your players go that way, that's when you like I hate to say it, you're up big, but you call timeout and you give them an ear lashing. Right? Like I felt like watching that game, I was more upset than the coaching staff was. Watching the game, it was just like, oh, we'll just let it play and whatever. And maybe it was literally like, hey, guys, like, we got this in hand. Like, maybe Willard winked at Neptune and said, I'm just trying to get these guys back, whatever. I don't know. But, like, but like, I think it 
like in those games, like you kind of it, – it, it sounds crazy, but like we had an opportunity to win that game by 25-30. And as crazy as it sounds, getting to like 65, 70 points in that game, which is where it absolutely should have been based on a 39 or 38-point first half, and keeping them under 40 points should have been – should have been the goal of that game because the these all it all works into advanced metrics and it all works into our net it works into our ken pump it impacts all of that stuff so even if you're willing to say okay give a little bit in because of just the the way the game played out and whatever was clearly in hand they they were they had kind of given up and throw the towel whatever it may be you kind of have to keep your foot on the gas because of how this all works, like for postseason seeding and and whatever. Like you, you kind of have to do that. So, look, I, I I've taken a step back off of where I was on Friday night, which is which is I'm I'm legitimately pissed off. But at the same time, I'm I'm not happy because I feel like that's the level of focus and attention to detail that needs to be had because there's going to become a game. There's going to come a time. We're going to be playing somebody, and we're going to be up 15 in the first half. And if we demonstrate that level of that lack of focus, turn the ball over because we don't we're careless with the ball, make stupid mistakes, get hung up on a on a press that really wasn't very good, we're going to we're going to lose a big lead, and that's going to have an impact on the season. So, right, get off my soapbox for a second, guys. When I left the game. Uh, I sometimes when you live troll life like me, you're not sure if what you're thinking is really what you're thinking or if it's part of your bit. So <laughs> I didn't know if the game was as bad as it was because I'm watching. I'm like, uh, it probably isn't that bad. Look at the score. And I expected to kind of push in the chat, say it was bad. And then you guys explained to me why it wasn't so bad. And then when you guys were agreeing with me, I was like, oh, no, it's not <laughs> just me trolling. So I was like, that was kind of a, like an eye opener for me because I was like, I'm going to complain anyway. But if I'm right. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> there is a definite lack of, I, again, like I, urgency is a good word, I guess. Like the first half, I don't know if Maryland got a rebound in the first like seven minutes. Um, the guys were swarming. It just felt like every ball was like every 50, 50 ball was landing in our laps and stuff, or they were, you know, they were going for it. Um, and when you make the effort and go for that, the 50-50s become like 70-30. Um, and then just like the weird like second half stuff where it was, you know, Eric could get a rebound, start going, pass the ball to somebody who's not looking, and then Maryland gets it and grabs a layup in transition. Like just weird stuff like that that it's like, can we focus for, you know, five minutes, go on another 10 to point whatever, you know, 0.5 points per every 15 minutes or something like that, that Maryland was paced at and, um, and just put it away. Like everybody around me was like, this should be 70 to 30 at the end of the day. And it was just like, you know, again, it's a good thing we're up. It's a good thing. Maryland, you know, can't score to save their lives, but it was um, disturbing, I guess the uh, just the lack of connectedness. Um in the second half, especially like you said there to a certain extent, you lay off when you're up that big, but there were like the whole, the, the markings of like a really great team is one that it's like, no, I'm going to step on your throat until it's over. Um, the 18 team had that they were killing teams by 30 and the 18 team was the on. meanest team I've ever, the meanest yeah. Villanova team. Exactly. They were just um, mean. 
I almost thought like, and you know, not on joke, who got some minutes. I would have liked to see people around me actually, and myself included. I was like, I need Chris Archidiacono to come in here and just like bring the ball up and not turn it over for five minutes and just be that guy. That's like, I actually kind of I, thought that same thing for a yeah, second, yeah, in no, the second I, half. Think, yeah. Yeah. In the second half, definitely. No. And, and, like it wasn't me that brought it up in the state. Like I was hearing people around me that like at least he won't turn the ball over. That's the kind of luxury you have when he's your tenth, eleventh guy. That if Neptune wanted to, or if any coach thought of it, like hey, throw Chris in, let him bring the ball up. He won't turn it over. Just like get us into an offense, maybe, and or he doesn't even have to get us into an offense. Just like dish it to somebody down low. Let him let him back his guy down and and do whatever. Just don't turn the ball over. That's all I wanted to see. It was brutal to watch Brian's entire row left guys <laughs> I have videos of him sitting by himself <laughs> it's but that's it how you know it's bad yeah. it just felt like I don't know we yeah we took our f- foot off like I, Chris to your point it's definitely hard to stay engaged like when you're up that much that's completely it but you would think and there was an opportunity where it would just maybe you're you're not engaged, but like both teams aren't playing hard, but you're just kind of like having a back and forth where it just stays the same. Maryland scores twenty, we score twenty, and it's just kind of like a back and forth where you're just kind of going through the motions. Maryland upped the intensity. We had no response. Like Maryland no, played zero. well the last well quote unquote like like a normal basketball team will say the last like eight ish minutes of the game. I'll give them maybe like five, but like. They started playing better and upping the intensity there. We did not respond at all to that. I mean, like, and we haven't said it at all. We went 13 minutes without a field goal. Like, that's insane. It's so bad. That's just not good. Like, there's there's no sugarcoating that. Like, we went 13 minutes without a field goal. We actually, like, two of our fouls were probably, like, kind of, yeah like ticky tacky like gimme calls that like cool we're we're now going to the free throw line we're going to get some points but like we did not play like after i think the last bucket that we had was like a bomba layup to make get us to 49 we had like six free throws over a 13 minute span until a garbage bucket by i can't i think hart scored the garbage bucket at the end of the game um like we need to be able to come up with offensive plays and sets that get us into like what we do best if you something that's weird is I have synergy pulled up right now. Our our go tos I would say is typically Villanova teams where it's like it's spotting up and shooting and like passing the ball around, finding a good person or finding a mismatch, posting up. I get it that Maryland didn't have a lot of mismatches, but like Jameer Young is six one. If you were to guess how many post ups we've done this season, what would you say that number is? It's like funny because I think post-up. our first bucket of the season was a Justin Moore post up. Yep. And then since then, it's been pretty pretty rare. We've done 15 post-ups the, of, of all possessions. Like, we've had we've had 109 spot-up shots. We've had, like, 49 that end in a pick-and-roll. We've done 15 post-ups with, I think, seven of them being Eric and four being Justin. We've and I think all of them were in the first game. Yeah. Like, I, if I broke this down by game, I'm sure I could figure that out. I'm sure most of them are in the first game. Um, let's see if I can do that. But it's kind of wild that, like, this is – and I get, I, I get it looking for different ways, but I feel like that's a fail-safe, like, all right, we find our mismatch, we'll post, we'll put, like, we'll dig with Justin. They'll either send someone, which in theory then we're making a pass, 
pass, pass, kick, and then there's an open three for someone, if not the immediate person, or you just get Eric in there. But, like, Eric was there again, like, today, like, or during the Maryland game. I didn't think he was, like, anything special. It, it was a like step bad. in the right direction. Yeah, it was a step I, in the right direction. Yeah. But I'm just like, what is our play to get an easy bucket that's not hope we hit a three-pointer? And that's where I'm that's where I think one Mark's growth will be huge because Mark being able to get in the lane and do all that will like create more. But I, that's where I want it. Like that's a challenge for Justin that cause like Justin needs to be the go-to person. And just like, how do I just, Justin is arguably the strongest guard in college basketball wing, whatever you want to call him. And just like, how do I just use my strength and get in there and get a bucket? And then, yeah, maybe I get fouled, but like, it's a different kind of foul because I'm putting rim pressure on, which we weren't doing at all the end of the game. And like, yeah, so there's, I don't know. It was 13 minutes. (laughs) That's what I'm going to keep going back to. (coughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got Chris is just sneezing. We can see it. I'm dying here. I'm literally like, it's this game's killed me. No. Um, look, I maybe like transitioning off the game a little bit, some early narratives. Um, and I came up in my mind because you guys were talking about Chris RG Diacono coming in. And one of my frustrations with the pen game that we didn't bring up was, was Chris actually got in at the back end of the first half mm-hmm. and like immediately caused some problems. Like he, he got in and he fouled immediately on an end one. Yeah. Um, my uh, an early narrative for me is is Kyle Neptune's rotations. Um, people have been bringing it up on on Twitter, um, but I, I think it's actually starting to to mold into a little bit of a narrative here. First of all, he subs two guys. He subs two guys in at like the seventeen minute mark every game. It's like two minutes or two and a half to three minutes in every game. At least two guys. Sometimes it's three. Right, at least two guys in the game right then and there, which is like, look, I get it. Villanova, we got, in our mind, we got six, seven starters. Like, so you want to get guys in, you want to get them into the game flow, etc. Neptune really liked, really a believer, this was true last year too, of like subbing some guys in that aren't your top-level guys to give your top-level guys a blow with a minute left before a TV timeout. He loves to like loves cheat. To like the t- cheat the t- he likes to cheat the yeah. TV timeout. Um, so that's like one of the things that he does. But I am, I'm getting a little I'm bit like, little- I don't think he's doing. I don't think he's helping the team establish a flow. He is trying to feel out what he's got, but I don't think he's letting the team establish a flow on in terms of in terms of who's out there, how how that team performs together. I'm hopeful. I've kind of written it off as a, as a, we're going to get there eventually, and he's got to early on in the season see what he has, but we have a big round of games coming up in the next couple of weeks, and you kind of want to have a sense of your lineup here. Now, I get it. You want to get Longino in pretty early. Longino's been a very bright spot early on in the season, in my view. Um, Hakeem Hart is legitimately probably a starter level player. I think he is I think he's added more value to the team than Mark has. Except Mark had did play well on 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 Friday. 
But like, but like, so you want to get those two in in particular, and those two are the first ones off the bench, and you want to get them in early, feel get them feel into the game, and etc. But I just don't feel like we're helping the team on the floor get in there. And then to the point that you brought up, Chris, I feel like he's not putting the team in pos- in position to be successful. Like that Chris Archie Diacono sub is exactly what he should have been doing there. Like, okay, okay, I'm yanking this guy who's playing too fast and loose with it right now. I'm putting Archie slowly and surely so that we can so that we can get um, so that we can get back into what we do. And I, I just it's an early narrative for me on this season is that we got Kyle's got to start to figure out He's got to put the pieces around, like how he's going to do this, his substitutions, and who his guys are, and who he's rolling with. That was an issue last year. I'm glad you mentioned it, just because it was. It always felt like he was kind of like, "Oh, it's been four minutes. Let me get these three guys in." And it's always multiple subs. Um, take like you know, I don't know enough about the theory of all this to be like, "Oh no, you shouldn't pull four guys at once." Um, under normal circumstances and do all that. Yeah. Um, but it's just always kind of odd. Like, you know, you got to, you feel like you got to let them burn a little bit um, off the start at least. And then just like, it's, it's predictable to the point we're sitting there, you know, us in this, in the crowd, in the stands are like, Oh, yep. There it's, it must be 17 minutes left. There's four guys standing up and walking over to the scorers table. Like, you know, I, I don't, um, I just don't always get it. That was an issue that a lot of us uh, voiced last year too, that we were just uncomfortable or felt like we weren't setting ourselves up for success. Um, He's a big believer in that TV timeout, get an extra eight seconds or whatever. Um, And I just don't think that's always the best move. Like you look at, you look at games where, uh, Colin Gillespie's sub pattern or or Jalen Brunson. It's like, no, I'm, I'm not taking this guy off the floor until I know that we're set up. But um, it's uh, it's annoying at the least, and it's destructive to the flow of the game at the most. Like, yeah. it's not good. What's interesting is I started this year, and, like, I, I think this is where I'm kind of going to push back. I started this year being proud of his like substitution pattern. So we were going nine deep. And I think this is kind of the, this is kind of the like downside of actually going nine deep of like, how else do you get nine players into the game? Like, I I think Kyle's trying to figure that out. We've never, we've never actually been where like legitimately every single game. We have nine players playing like to, to, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Hausen, where Longino and Hart will be on the floor. Like whether it's for like, three minutes or whether it's for 19, which like Hosen's been playing, which gets a whole other thing because his shot hasn't been that great this year. But overall, like I, I see why Neptune's doing this because like you are going nine deep. You have to kind of like more or less platoon swap. I think there are definitely places that it can be fine tuned, but like, I don't want to sit here and be like, I don't like what he's doing because I also was like recognizing myself said that the very first game that I'm like, I'm proud of like the big substitutions because we are going nine deep. I think it's now just like that we're going nine deep. What's the best way of optimizing this? Like, how do we make sure that this does work? I honestly don't mind the hockey subs, but I would like to see 
more lineups playing together for a longer period of time. And that's something actually, I think I'll pull up eventually. Um, I don't, I won't be able to do it like on the fly, but like how, what are our lineup breakdown breakdowns have looked like and how many minutes have they played together? Um, because I want to be able to like, I, I, I just want to be able to see like what's been working and where the success is in terms of different lineup combinations, but then also how Kyle's been going into things with it. So like, I definitely see the like, put the issue here i just i'm also like this is kind of going to be the growing pain of actually going nine deep with a second year or a third year head coach um who like needs to figure out what it is um yeah the under the under uh right like the minute before the under timeout like i get it in theory but a lot of times it's like just take the under timeout and just like let them roll and on it or just like bench them for the first minute after the under timeout and then whatever, however you want to do it. But there's still like one substitution flow things that he needs to figure out. And then two, just like more of like controlling it. And which I think is where, what we're all kind of getting at is that controlling of it and knowing the right time to make the right decision with it, which makes sense. It's his third year, but like the pen game, Chris Arch wasn't needed. Correct. Like, right. He wasn't needed there. That wasn't going to, that wasn't going to solve anything especially because it was a defensive possession. It was just like, that's not what we needed from Chris Arch right there. The Maryland game, second half, a Chris Arch could have been used to just like kind of stabilize things and hopefully get us into a set where we're able to like, I don't know, score a basket. So there's things he needs to like work on, like pressing the right buttons, but I think he has the control set up the right way is the way I'll describe it. Yeah, sometimes it's just like, look, I get it. He's a younger coach. Like, I don't expect the world. I don't expect Hall of Fame performance out of Kyle Neptune, right? Like, it's sometimes his substitutions. It, you're talking about pressing buttons, and I'm thinking of like my toddler on a keyboard, just like <laughs> that's what sometimes it comes across. Like, um, fuck it, these four guys, you go. <laughs> and it doesn't seem to have that rhyme or reason that I'm that I, that I think we're looking for. I'm willing to give some time on that because it is early season, right? Like in even in even in Jay Wright's years where he had depth and he ultimately got to a hilariously level of non-depth by the end of the season. He was he even in in November there, he was he was still figuring out and tinkering with his lineups, etc. Until he got to about the Christmas time where he got to like towards conference play, he was really like settling into a a lineup of like seven, eight guys, eight and a half at most. I think that's where he kind of needs to get to as deep, even as deep as we are, I think he kind of needs to get there. Um, and, and it doesn't need to happen right this second, but I'd like to see him trending towards, okay, I like this lineup. We can start to look at the Met. You can start to look at the advanced metrics. I bet you, you have, I bet there's already data out there that's starting to develop um, around like, who's your death lineup? Who's going to, what lineup just scores a ton of points? What lineup is your, what lineup is your, um, is your, is your defensive lineup? What lineup is your free throw lineup? Like this is the type of thing, your ball handling lineup. Like he probably, there's probably a good enough data out there and he probably has a good sense of this already. And I just like to start to see that, especially as we enter the, the Turkey tournament this week where we got a, we got a hard slate of games. This is actually probably the ceiling is lower than it was in Atlantis. I mean, th sorry, than it was at PK 85 last year, but the floor is higher. Yep. 
um, in in the in the Atlantis tournament. So like, zero and three is on the table this week. Like, I think I think three and zero is on the table. Um, so obviously the full suite of potentialities is on the table, but like, but like realistically, like this team, this is going to be a tough weekend and to get to that. Look, I think you gotta, you gotta expect at least one win, but if you're going to get to two or three wins, like it's going to be on the base on the basis of like making some good substitutions, making some good personnel choices in key moments of the game. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, with that, uh, should we transition to talk about Texas Tech and the battle for Atlantis? Yeah, I think that's... So, overall, like, I mean, obviously, just to give everyone, like, who doesn't, who isn't aware, the overarching view of the battle for Atlantis, I'm going to forget one part of it. Um, But it is us versus Texas Tech, and then we play the winner or loser of UNI versus um, UNC. You'll remember we also played UNI in the 2017 battle for Atlantis um, in the championship game after, because Purdue lost to UNI earlier and we were expecting to kind of see Purdue or or I think UNC was also in that bracket that year. Um, So UNI, obviously, like one of the best mid-majors of the last 25 years, so a really strong team. And then on the other side of the bracket, there's UNC. And then we have, and I can't remember. I have um, it in front of me. Okay. I, I just can't remember the other side of the, is it Michigan? Michigan. Memphis? Michigan, who's been off to a good start, although they did lose, lose to Long Beach State. Yeah. Um, Memphis, they're okay, fighting Memphis, Javon yeah. Quinterly's. Um, Arkansas, um, who's obviously strong, although they just lost to. I forget who they lost to. Um, they lost and, to uh, UNC Greensboro. That's right. Like I don't know. The, the, the early this early college basketball season is a little bit a lot of funky things going it's on. It's a lot. It's very weird so far. And then Stanford, um, who has not been good of late, but I, I think, think this will be actually decent. off to a decent enough yeah. start this year. So they're, yeah, they're three and one. That Jared Bynum's over there. If you guys remember Jared right, Bynum, yeah. So, yeah. So that's where he ended up. Oh my god, Trevor. Geez. That's crazy. Is that me? All right. I think it's Trevor. Got to be me. I don't hear anything. So, bro, you're playing a fire alarm recording on your phone. I know it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Trevor's Trevor's, Trevor's over. He got yeah. in at seven in the morning last night. He guys, it's just a mess over there. It's just a mess. And um, I know he lied about watching the Mario movie. He was playing. A, he was having a land party playing like Super Mario Brothers with his friends. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I hope that but, kid Spinoso from Penn was there. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, Penn just lost to Maryland Eastern Shore, so that tells you the quality of that opponent. So that's not great for us. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to Texas Tech. So right, because Texas Tech's our game one. Yeah. You expect to see UNC game two, who's been off to a. That's assuming we beat Texas Tech. That's exactly right, right. Right. That's my point. If you win yeah. that game. You, you, UNC, and then who knows who's going to come out of the bottom of that bracket. Yeah. But probably on paper, Arkansas is the best is yeah. the best squad on the bottom of that bracket. Yeah. So getting into Texas Tech, the only team that we know that we're going to play. Um, new head coach, first year old, not for, first year new head coach, Grant McCaslin. If you remember, Grant McCaslin was the coach at Northern or North Texas, who we played in the tournament in the 
um, bubble tournament um, in 2021. Uh, Texas Tech is, like, as of right now, we are their first high major opponent. They play Texas A&M Commerce, San Jose State, and the Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So there will be a leveling up there. Now, historically, Texas Tech plays really strong pressure man defense, and nothing's really changed this year. Uh, they are 10th in adjusted um, de- uh, defensive efficiency on Vartorvik. And across the board, like, I would expect to see that same, like, that same thing from Texas Tech. Uh, they lost a lot of, like, they lost a lot of firepower last year. I'm going to be really honest offensively. Uh, Kevin O'Banner left. Um, uh, Davion Harmon left. And there's, so there's just uh, Daniel Bacho, who is, like, a really great center for them, uh, backup center. They lost a lot of um, just a lot of support there. So it's going to be, I think they have seven transfers, maybe six transfers coming in. It's going to be a new team. Um, McCaslin's team are usually led by like their point guard. And so their new point guard is Joe Toussaint, who came from over from West Virginia. Uh, Not a particularly great shooter. Um, This team, like I think has some offensive deficiencies to them. So when I look at this, I feel like this is going to be, Honestly, probably strikingly similar to the Texas Tech game from 2018, where it is a team that's going to get into us. This is going to be a physical game. That's what Texas Tech has always been, and that really hasn't changed this year. Um, I don't think you're going to see any zone defense, though. Texas Tech has not played a single defensive possession of zone all year. So, like, I mean, and they probably haven't really needed to. But, like, what Texas Tech is going to do is once you get, like, in the half court, it's just going to be they're going to be in your grill. They don't really press either. So it's just going to be like in your grill in the half court. This is where we're going to have to be strong with the ball and figure things out there. Um, Overall, like what I look for here is this is a chance for Eric to get established. I think that's just like a huge part of not just for the entire one, but for for this um, game, but for the whole season or for the whole what's the tournament. Um, This is a chance for Eric to kind of take some ownership. They have a center uh, Warren Washington, seven-footer, who Eric should be able to, once again, in theory, take him from the perimeter and attack the lane, shoot the three. We have the ability to, like, create mismatches against them, um, especially, like, they have some size, but their guards are smaller. So there's a chance to, once again, talk about getting into post-ups. We can post up on people like Toussaint, who's only six foot. Uh, they have a shooter called Pop Isaacs, and Pop Isaacs is six one, six two. Um They're in my eyes, their best player is Devin Cambridge, who's a transfer from Arizona State, or from Arizona State, um, like a big wing. But like we have a bunch of big wings to match up with him. So overall, when I look at this, I'm like, this is a Texas, this is a classic Texas Tech team. Not really there offensively, really locked in defensively, but they're not going to play man de- or zone defense versus us. But like they really defend. Like opponents are shooting twenty one percent from three versus them. I think there's a level of like they've been playing bad opponents, but 21% from three is still insane. So what I'm looking for is Eric to get in and create mismatches, us to post up their guards, which will get allow us to create doubles, uh, create double teams, pass the ball, move the ball around the perimeter and shoot. Um, and heck, this is a chance for Hawson to like show off in front of his hometown team and um, yeah, Amarillo, Lubbock, I'm sure they're close enough, whatever. Um, and show up against his hometown team. So this is like, there's a really good opportunity here for that. But like, this is a well-disciplined Texas Tech team defensively that is going to make our lives very difficult. Um, they don't foul. They defend the heck out of the ball. 
they gang rebound. Like this is just going to be a team that's going to put pressure on us in all the places that we need that. Like, it's just going to be a tough game. I imagine if we get out of this game with a win, it's going to be like a, like 65, 60, like battle kind of game, because that's what Texas tech does. Yeah. They, they don't play a particularly, um, they don't play a particularly uh, high tempo game. No. It's not a it's not a necessarily terribly uncomfortable matchup for us. Other than, you know, I think I wouldn't say we, we don't have the size advantage. No, but our guards are bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're 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 undersized down low. So it's and I feel like that's going to be a common refrain this year, and that our guards yeah. are our guards and wings are bigger than theirs. But the but that's kind of off. Reversed by the uh, by the by the big man battle, so to speak. Um, they do not shoot the ball well. Uh, they like actually bad, uh, yeah. very poorly at uh, at shooting the three ball. They're, they 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 kind of live on two ball uh, two pointers. Um, uh, so they are that's kind of their their calling card. They play really 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 good defense, but don't turn offenses over a lot. It's just like strong, long possessions where you might get a shot up, but it's not going to be a good shot, and and that's kind of that's kind of it. So it it's it's an interesting matchup. I, I agree with you. This is probably going to be a rock fight by design, um, and it's going to be kind of like a two possession game at the end of it with free throws, maybe widening it to a three possession game. Um, I don't expect to get blown out. I don't. I don't expect to blow them out. So, I would expect this to be a one team's going to win by five points. I, I can. Yeah, that's probably going to be it. Producer's note for Willie here: um, Amarillo, Texas, is two hours away from Lubbock. So I think relatively that's close. And yeah, Texas terms that's like a. Trip what I was going to say is it's ten hours from Houston. Amarillo to Houston's ten hours. It's also ten hours to Tucson. So. Okay. Just showing, giving everybody a visual map there. So well done. I thought I was going to be able to call you out there, but you, I think. <laughs> I knew Texas. I know Lubbock was like northern Texas. I knew Amarillo was like northernish Texas. So. It's Amarillo. Amarillo. Uh, Amarillo. 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 <laughs> There's also Rio Grande, Texas, which is like probably like 16 hours away. It's down on the. On yeah. On the Rio Grande. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um. So look, I, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. Ken Palm has this as a 66-64 Villanova. Win so just to show you that it's statistically a a coin flip. Yeah, but and then oh god, I don't expect much of a a line on this. This will be like a Villanova one point five. Yeah, type line. And then I mean we can kind of preview the other teams. I mean who knows who we're going to face? We know we'll face either UNI or UNC. Uh, UNI. It's the same UNI team we've all you you all know and love. It's a bunch of assuming we know the UNI team. Yeah, it's a bunch of white men from Iowa um, (laughs) who share the ball really well. Um, But no, uh, so they're they're a really strong team. um, Still being coached by Ben Davidson or Ben Jacobson. Sorry, wow, Ben Davidson, um, who's in his 18th season as coach. So that's like an insane thing. Uh, They like are older. They share the ball well. They're just a really like high like powered offense but also being able to like uh work well together they have uh good secondary ball handlers they lost i mean a couple years ago they lost their main um nba player aj green who's on the bucks now but like they can score the ball 
They're not really great defensively. They're not super athletic. I would imagine if we win, we will be playing North Carolina. And I want to just preview North Carolina because that's the team that people will kind of care about more. So North Carolina, they lost Caleb Love. Uh, if you want, everyone remembers, Caleb Love is the lecture point guard who also can't make a good decision to save his life. Um, and then it's just uh, like lost, us. Yeah, yeah. Lost Pete Nance, <laughs> Leaky Black, and Puff Johnson, uh, all who played on the, um, oh, except for Pete Nance, all who played on the uh, title team or the t- runner up. Um, this year, they're bringing back RJ Davis. So RJ Davis was the other guard on that team. RJ Davis is a senior guard, going to take a leap forward. If we see him, he's going to likely be the matchup for. Uh, Justin. Um, then they have uh, Cormac Ryan, who I believe is a Notre Dame transfer. Um, Harrison Ingram, who is a Stanford transfer, who has been on draft board but still hasn't been able to figure it out. Um, Elliot Cadeau, who's a strong freshman guard. Uh, there's been a lot of like love around him. And then, obviously, one of the biggest names in college basketball, Armando Baycott. I really want us to play UNC. One, because we have not played them since uh, 2016. Every time we're matched, we're in a tournament where there's a chance to play them. They lose or we lose. And we actually, they've lost every single time. We haven't lost when there's been a chance to play them. Um, so I'm hoping this is the time we finally get that rematch and we get to have a little bit of fun with it. And I'm really excited about the Baycott-Dixon matchup. That's one where I would imagine if we're going to see Eric really amp it up, it's going to be when he has a chance to go against a person who, for by every account, is a top five player in college basketball. Baycott is a double-double machine, cannot, like, shoot the ball, but does not need to, has great touch despite not being able to shoot. Like, Baycott is what college basketball is all about in terms of, like, current college basketball is you have young stud freshman wings and guards because they usually leave, and then your seniors are bigs who are typically here and, like, here for four or sorry the other stars are bigs who have been here for like four or five years and don't have a place in the nba but they're absolutely mammoths and great in college basketball that's why we see the zach edis the hunter dickinson's the armando baycott's like they're the oscar sheebways they're here because like they don't have a role in the nba yet but they're great for college basketball and armando's one of those players um so this is going to be a really interesting like UNC team to watch if we get to play them. Um, I'm really hopeful we get it, we get this matchup because they're just going to be, uh, I mean, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Thanksgiving versus UNC sounds like a good time. I please, I would, that's what I like to give thanks for. The yeah. the winners. So if we play, if we win and UNC wins. If, if we win our game on so our game on Wednesday is at two thirty. If we win our game on Thursday is also at two thirty. If we lose our game is at noon on Thursday. Um, just to help people prepare their uh, Thanksgiving uh, game watching. So you said wait. You said if we win it's two thirty. If we lose it's noon. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. We need to win. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to watch the noon game. That's such a sleeper too. Um, at Battle for Atlantis. There's going to be like eight people in that ballroom for the first game. Yeah, game. Yeah, it's yeah. um, which I don't. I, I can't remember. Teams don't normally shoot well. I feel like even um the last time we were there, the 2018 uh, 17-18 team did not shoot super great in that ballroom. No. So I'm very nervous for how this team will perform there. Uh, you definitely want to see Eric more assertive, and it was almost like the. This past week, he was hesitating a ton and and waiting for the doubles to come to him to try to facilitate after that, which is fine. But um, 
Maryland, I think we were looking for him to get the ball, make a decision right away. And that just kind of wasn't happening. So I I agree with you. I hope these are kind of games and matchups that wake him up a little bit um, and get him more engaged in, um, in what he needs to do in order to get the other guys uh, going and, and, if it is, if the playbook this year is like just double Dixon every time he touches the ball, he's got to start figuring out how to take advantage of that. Because I feel like a lot of times he just waits like a second or two too long, and the pass that was there is no longer. Um, if yeah, yeah, if, we, if teams start doubling him every time, like that's where we need to start countering. Where like I would want to see that's where I think the counters we completely invert the offense. And that's where Justin stays in the post. Eric's on the perimeter. And we let Eric attack likely a big off the perimeter. Or we just actually truly go five out. And Eric needs to like be more aggressive working from the inside out where he hasn't been. Um, as, as aggressive. Or sorry, working from the outside in. Sorry. Um, where I don't think he's been as aggressive as he should be with that. Because like if teams are going to double Eric, one, that means there's opportunity for someone else to have an open shot. But I think like to your point, I've seen Eric just hesitate just a bit, especially on like open threes at the top of the key. I feel like the, I, in, the, in the Maryland game, there was a, I was screaming at Eric. Just, too, yeah. Yeah. I was like, just take that shot. Like, we know you can hit it. We, and you're wide open. And then he like will defer to it. And I just like want to see him like take ownership of that. Um, so overall, yeah, like I, this is like, I think this is a tournament where I want to see just, I mean, I want to see everybody play really well. I would love to see Mark take a leap and like, be like, Holy crap, Mark Armstrong's actually an NBA player this year. But like, I, if I'm being like realistic, I just want to see Eric like really assert himself with some like good matchups here. And then like potentially good matchups on the other side of the bracket as well. If we get, well, we'll get there, but if we face like in the championship game, what's your ideal, uh, um, second and, third opponent like I, I know you said UNC and then who would you yeah. want to play for a potential final or a consolation game honestly I think I would well for the narrative playing Javon Quinnelly would be just yeah. amazing like playing Memphis would be absolutely I think amazing. we're all on the same page yeah that, so. um but I would want to see Arkansas because you want to talk about two Arkansas is the better team yeah. yeah if you want to see you want to talk about two completely different styles like it'll be us being slow and methodical and Arkansas just balls to the wall, running everywhere, getting in transition, like must like going to be taking off his shirt, like pounding his chest. Like I love it. Um, and like, they have like another, I mean, uh, they have um, not Tremont Mark. Well, they have Tremont Mark, but uh, Trayvon Brazil who tore his ACL, who's another really good big um, that I'd like really, I would really like to see that matchup. So Arkansas would be the one that I want to see also just cause I like, I love Muss because he's just he, – he makes me laugh. Um, despite being a very – he's a very, very small man. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen him in person. He's tiny, which throws me <laughs> off. Eric Musselman is what I am – I believe that Rob Dormish would be like as a basketball coach. Honestly, I could see that. I could see that. Like, like Rob Dormish goes back, lives his life a different way. Rob's a gym rat, like Muscleman's a gym rat, like like I don't know. He I saw him in like marathon gear the other day on that like social media hit that they had. And he just yells at the top of his lungs and is a crazy person, which is Rob. So Yeah. 
taking yeah. a shirt off at weird times. Yeah, I mean that's that's literally like everything is this the analogy works. Eric yeah. Musselman is who Rob Dormish would be if but he was most importantly, man. I I can't, we kind of need the Javon Quinterly comeback. Like I need we need to see him on his way. <laughs> yeah, out. and it's and it's not like out of spite or malice. No, I, 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 have, him, I have nothing but good feelings for him. Honestly. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that he had his his time and and had an opportunity to play at a high level at Alabama and that was I felt kind of bad that Nate Oates was like, oh, that's great that you're coming back to college basketball, just not here. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like he, he kind of retooled the lineup with or without Quinterly in mind. And then I was, you know, good that he found a place in Memphis. I would, it would be fun to, for that matchup to happen again. I also think it would be a good matchup to watch him and Mark just empty the court and have him and Mark play one-on-one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> After the game, like, everybody else can stand on the sidelines or uh, maybe rebound, but just, like, let Javon and Mark just go at each other, just, like, battle of New Jersey guards um, really with fun. a similar I, – I haven't watched much of Javon – uh, recently, like I don't know how he is with his first step and everything after his. He had an ACL or meniscus. I think it was an ACL. I think it was ACL. But um, so I don't know if his quickness and first step is what it was the last time I saw him play. But um, I think it would be an interesting, interesting matchup. And and I hope, uh, like you said, uh, Arkansas would be the better game. And if we could win, like obviously better for our net and for uh, future purposes but uh i don't think you can really lose um with the that third game potential matchup like it's either going to be quinterly or a crazy person that could have been robbed yeah or yeah, Nate, Nate Oates is just looking for shooters though that's kind of the issue that's a good one people Thank don't forget yeah but don't forget um yeah. Okay. So that seems like a pretty good. Uh, that that yes. does it on Battle Atlanta. So before we wrap up here, it is Thanksgiving week. Um, so thought we could do uh, a little mini Thanksgiving segment and uh, called "What Are You Thankful For?" Um, you know, based on how we we recap the first that Maryland game, maybe not a whole lot, but but I think uh, I think it would be it'd be good. I mean, I don't want to be too negative. So I think you know I think it's important that we are um, that we that we talk about what we are thankful for. So uh, I'll go first. I am very thankful for the very large contributions to our name, image, and likeness fund. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, in addition to that, I am thankful for um, TJ Bamba and Tyler Burton, who I think have both been just as advertised so far early this season. I would say Burton a little bit is coming on a little bit more slow, but Burton had a hell of a game against Maryland. Um, and Bamba's just been like – Bamba's just like a guy who looks like, like he could have been a Villanova time. forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's just like a Villanova guy. Like, and it's and not to say Burton's not, and not to say Hart's not, and not to say Lance Ware is not. I like all of them, but – Bamba is the one who sticks out to me as like, uh, oh, he could have played on like any of our teams over the last 10 years. You want to go, Willie? I'll, I'll close things up. Yeah. Um, well, I, for me, it's like twofold. 
One, I am thankful that yesterday Dante DiVincenzo had his career high and had a career game. <laughs> Just love to see it. You know, very happy and thankful for that. Um, love to see when our baby boys are doing well in the NBA. Um and then other thing, like this is just honestly, I'm going to kind of take it like kind of a serious route. Uh, I'm thankful for all these listeners and everyone that li- chooses to listen to us all the time. Like I've had I, I this year kind of be my second year in the pod. It's just been like incredibly fun um, thus far. And like, I mean, the season is whatever, but <laughs> just like the recording the pod with you all, but also just the listeners and the engagement. Um, you know, there's a lot of Nova podcasts out there in the landscape and everyone who chooses to like listen to us as well as any of those other pods. Like, I'm just thankful. It's like really great to be a part of this community. Um, so yeah, that's one thing I'm thankful for just to like take it seriously for a second, but also I'm very, very serious about how thankful I am for Dante as well. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I have some serious ones, some not so serious ones. I'm, I'm glad. Um, I was made a, I, it always annoyed me when people would complain about the coaches wearing like the, uh, the athletic wear on the sidelines. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thankful Neptune just went with the suits and stuck with it. Nobody's talking about it now, which is I know I'm I'm doing a disservice by talking about it right now, but I'm just happy it's not a conversation anymore. Um, I am thankful that Justin and Eric decided to come back, that we were able to bring in the transfers that we did. Um, I am thankful for Mark's first step. Uh, he put that guy in an absolute blender on uh, – yeah. On Friday, which was—is that the Shaq fit man play? It's not like I was thinking like man play, but it's—it's not like your typical. But like he had that kid on skates, and Willard asked them to turn it off. That was the highlight that was on a loop in the uh, in the media room post game. I know this because of Tommy Scoops, Um, and Willard actually asked them if they could turn the TV off in the background so that he didn't have to keep watching it. So that I love that. Again, yeah, to echo what Willie said, I'm thankful for the listeners. Uh, joining something like this and engaging with this community was something I was a little, not engaging with community so much, but joining something like this, I was a little nervous at the time and just nothing but, uh, except from Brian, uh, nothing but positive uh, positive uh, comments and, and interactions with people so far. Um, it's uh, It's always funny to me how many people are concerned for my well-being on a morning of a game day if I don't tweet something by 7 a.m. Cut me some slack. Um, <laughs> you don't have to make them yourselves. I will send the tweet. I always draft it the night before. It's just a matter of waking up and sending it. Like some Dude, days, just schedule send Schedule tweet, man. Yeah, what do you- it's, not, it's not unique if I schedule it. That's just, that's just the computers taking over for me. Um, <laughs> I will send the tweet. You do not have to worry about me not sending the tweet. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of concern because I waited until like eight thirty on Friday. And At what point is it fair to to yeah, what's actually, panic time? Yeah, where if, where do I panic? If I don't, if you don't see something by like start of regular business, uh, so like nine a.m. Eastern, then you can like you don't have to make your own. <laughs> um, you can just you know. If you know me, you can send me a text if you're that concerned. But, like, you do not have to make your own. It is coming. Uh, I, I have some great ones lined up for Thanksgiving. Um, and, uh, yeah, it is. Susan Falvey sends me a reminder every night before. Says, hey, Shout hope you're working you. on your game day tweet. And I'm like, that is a good reminder. I will draft my game day tweet right now. So Shout she's been great Susan reminding Falvey. me the night before. Um, 
thankful for all the yeah the Nova Twitter interactions. They've been great. Um, keeping it lighthearted when uh, when things have been tough and you're questioning what life is. But um, yeah, thankful for all the Twitter interactions, the uh, the listeners, and the parents that donate 50k plus a year every year for the last 1842 days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give a more serious answer, sort of like Willie did, which is kind of out of character for me. Um, I've really enjoyed Villanova's kind of Twitter in the last two years. Right after 2018, it was a really annoying kind of entitled group. Blue blood. Um, but I think with the rise of the multiple podcasts, like Willie talked about, it's it's become kind of a fun community, winning or losing. Um, and I mean, that kind of stuff makes my day. Just kind of going back and forth with people. Someone came up to me at the game the other day and they were like, I really hated your Twitter. Uh, but then I met you and you seem okay. Which is like it was me. It was me. Was like basically my goal. Um, it was me. I, I said that to Brian. <laughs> but I also uh, I also appreciate the group chat we have for our podcast, and I'm sure everybody can kind of relate to, you know, whatever group and whatever people they share their passion for Villanova basketball or whatever it is. Um, it's nice to have you know kind of like minded people and people to just kind of BS with throughout the day. Yep. Awesome. I love it. That's that's all we got. So we'll be back at the end of this week um, to recap. Uh, to recap this uh, this this tournament, guys, give me a record. I don't care what games, who we play. Give me a record before we wrap up. I said three and zero last year, and it was zero and three. I'm not giving you a record. I'm not walking into that trap. You guys can do this yourself. <laughs> Two and one. I think three we drop a game. Three and zero. <laughs> I'll say it. I love I'll it. Say it. Yeah, I don't care. I I'll it. say it. Three and zero. Why not? Why not us? Why not Mark us? Armstrong coming out party. I love it. That'd be so great. That, this is, uh, but it's an important year. week. If we can get, if we can get a couple more wins um, to pad the record, so to speak, it, it definitely sets up the rest of the out of conference season with a little bit of confidence, and we can get into the Big East season and go well. Lots to talk about in the Big East that we didn't even get to get to today, um, but but we'll 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 definitely touch on that um, and keep you posted on that going forward. Boy, you suck, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that, Willie. Providence College um, boxing team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't touch on that. that yeah, was... the Providence boxing team and the Shaheen Holloway UFC team. Um, so uh, we, we'll touch on all of those at a later date. Um, but seriously, um, everyone, no matter what, like have a really great, safe travels. Happy Thanksgiving. It's, um, it's obviously a great week to spend with family and watching some college hoops. Um, one of my favorite traditions every year. So thank you everybody for listening. And as always, let's go Nova.